Mic check one two one two. Mic check one two one two. That's right. We are here live, and this is the March fifth, twenty twenty three edition of the Boxing Source Radio Show. I'm your host James Bell, the leader of the Boxing Source on social media. Uh, you can check us out through Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and also the website theboxingsource.net. Um, you got, uh, you know, support us uh, by, you know, following the channel, YouTube channel, and also uh, you could uh, get at us um, through the other uh, means by just, you know, liking the pages, uh, following the pages, uh, you know, get, you know, what's going down on, um, you know, news and notes within the sport of boxing, but also uh, supporting the podcast, uh, you know, after the live podcast. Uh, you can listen to it on demand through iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, even on uh, Amazon Music. It's on Amazon Music and iHeartRadio. So um, we would appreciate all the support for those that are the fans of boxing. So uh, with that being said, uh, we want to you know get into you know what's going down in boxing. You had, uh, of course, a few things that went down uh, last night, uh, particularly in the featherweight division, as you had the WBC interim featherweight title on the line, Brandon Figueroa versus Mark McSile. Of course, Mark McSile was the former WBC featherweight champion, had one defense, against Ray Vargas, lost that defense against Ray Vargas. And, uh, you know, Brandon Figueroa was uh, coming up from the 122-pound division, uh, did lose to uh, Stephen Fulton in 2021, but then uh, came up to face Carlos Castro and get a stoppage victory over Carlos Castro last year. So uh, this kind of like set the stage for this particular bout between Brandon Figueroa, Mark McSayo, and <clears throat> um, you know, I, I felt like it was about that. You know, with Mark McSayo, I'll just be uh, share it with you. Um, I really, I wasn't really too much too sold on Mark McSayo, uh, even with uh, the victory that he had over Gary Russell Jr. That was by decision. I really didn't see much from that particular bout that he had against Russell. Um, and that, you know, he pretty much got his uh, opportunity uh, there against Gary Russell Jr. with his uh, knockout win over Julio Ceja. And, you know, uh, you know he was losing that fight uh, there against Julio Ceja. Uh, also, you know, had also been knocked down uh, by Ceja before uh, getting that KO victory uh, there in the 10th round. But then... Of course, after that, got the fight against Gary Russell, won against Gary Russell by decision, fought against Ray Vargas, lost to Ray Vargas by decision. And so he uh, was uh, back into this position against Brandon Figueroa. And, uh, you know, for those that were, you know, following uh, the the fight leading up to it, that on the day of the weigh-in, uh, that, you know, Mark Mansile had initially – I uh, got there a little bit overweight. She ain't been overweight, probably about, what is it, about three-fourths pound over the uh, featherweight limit, but he was able to make weight 
uh, you know, before uh, they could say that the he would not be fighting for the interim title, but uh, he was still uh, able to uh, be there and compete against Omar Figueroa Jr. And um, you know, for for me, I thought the bout was a fairly competitive bout in a very good card actually uh, that was on Showtime. Uh, Premier Boxing Champions uh, presentation. And now, you know, the, those first few rounds, um, it looked like McSyle was uh, very active with a uh, number of his shots, um, was throwing multiple combinations over the course of those early rounds. Um, and that, you know, Figueroa was, you know, trying to, you know, get inside, work on the inside, and, you know, get to the body of Mark McSyle, uh, which, you know, I would say is a, pretty good strategy for, you know, an opponent that, you know, initially didn't make weight. So he probably, you know, had some issues trying to, you know, get himself or get himself down to that 126 pound limit. So, you know, why not try to go after him uh, early, go to the body early to see if his stamina wouldn't uh, be all too hot in the second half of the fight. Uh, but you had uh, Mark McSowell, you uh, there were times when Mark McSowell was timing uh, Figueroa very well, well fighting off the back foot, um, you know, was catching him with uh, good counter shots. Um, like I said, landing a uh, number of combinations, uh, you know, at the tail end of uh, some of the rounds that were, that, you know, took place there. So um, I just felt like uh, he, you know, was doing pretty well, uh, you know, over the course of the first half of the fight. Um, but Figueroa, you know, was there right in front of him, you know, still walking forward, uh, coming forward at him, and, you know, still throwing, you know, a good number of punches uh, to, you know, try to get to him. So uh thing about it was, it was like um, either you know, like the activity of Brandon Figueroa or if you like the uh, harder punches uh, that were being landed for Mark Maxado. And that was, you know, for me, that was like the first half of the fight that kind of like, you know, summarize the first half of that fight between Figueroa and McSyle. But the body work uh, by Brandon Figueroa early in the fight seemed to have been paying off in the second half of the fight where uh, you've seen McSyle, like, look really tired at, at, at times. His legs weren't necessarily there. Um, and that he was, you know, really uh, leaning forward a number of times and, of the referee uh, that was, you know, over this particular fight was really uh, getting on Mark McSyle, uh when it came to clinching. Uh, Thomas Taylor was, you know, uh, warning Mark McSyle, um, you know, within the, uh, the the start of that second half of that fight, as far as like you know the clinching was concerned. So uh, that you know was a thing that may have been a, a factor you know, going into or going through those rounds that, hey, if he's like there coming forward and trying to tie up Brandon Figueroa, if, uh, you know, Thomas Taylor, the referee, was like saying, hey, man, you're going to have to, you know, cut that a little bit. And, and lo and behold, in that ninth round, right, or uh, the, uh, excuse me, eighth round, you had Thomas Taylor like say, hey, man, I'm going to take a point from you. Uh, um, so he took a point from Mark McTyler, and, you know, at that time, live, I thought that was huge because, you know, I felt like the fight was really close at that point. 
So when they took that point away, I was like, well, what's going to happen at the rest of the round? Is it going to be something where it would be a 10-8 round for uh, Brandon Figueroa, or would it be an even round? You know what I'm saying? So where, you know, if um, if McSow would have been able to get the better of it, then he could, you know, make that round even. And I thought, you know, that he had made it an even round because of his his activity at that particular point. Um, but you see that uh, after that, <laughs> Brandon Figueroa had multiple times, at least I felt like he had multiple times in that ninth round and in that tenth round to score knockdowns on Mark McSyle because Mark McSyle was not only coming forward, but he was leaning forward and was having his head down. And he really didn't have his legs so Brandon Figueroa was continuing to do work to the body, but he just could get enough spacing away from Mark McSyle to where when you see McSyle down on the canvas, Thomas Taylor wouldn't, you know, rule that as a knockdown. But if you just created enough spacing and then threw like a couple of, you know, body shots or like, you know, tag him up upstairs a little bit, you know, before he, you know, tripped and went down, then, yeah, they probably could have counted that and knocked down. Uh, but that's, you know, how I assessed it, you know, live while it was going on, you know, before it went to the scorecards. So he had that opportunity there, you know, in the ninth and the tenth round to, you know, really put it on Mark McSyle, but just couldn't really, you know, get that um, thing where he probably could have had like a 10-8 round in, in that particular sense, you know. Uh, but you know, with that being said, uh, you had once again Mark Mansell holding, and it seemed like you know Thomas Seller just wasn't really you know down with all of that uh holding. So another point was taken away from Mark McSyle in the 11th round, and then in the 12th round, you've seen both of those fighters go at it. That was a very, very good 12th round by both fighters and then you know it just came down to you know the scorecards where uh you had two scores of 117 to 109 and one score of 118 to 108 all in favor of brandon figueroa um and you know brandon figueroa uh gets the win he is the interim featherweight title title holder right now um you know, a number of people are saying that he'll be next in line to face the full champion WBC champion Ray Vargas, uh, who, you know, of course, uh, tried to get the WBC super featherweight title, but fell short against Oshaki Foster. Uh, so he said, yo, I'm going back down. I'm going to stay as the champ in the featherweight division. But uh, here with these scores, man, you had two scores, again, of 117-109 and one score of 118 to 108. So, I'll, uh, like I'm going to say here in, in, in you know, the title, this is pretty much how, like, Figueroa beats McSyle. Was it a robbery? Um, well, I would say the fight is, was close. Um, I mean, you could say that Figueroa probably had gotten the upper hand in this. So I probably could have won this thing seven rounds to five or something like that. Um, but, you know, we, we had this thing here where, you know, I just felt like the scores were way off from 
you know, what, what, you know, I was thinking. Um, when you have uh, one judge that has score of 118 to 108, which if the points weren't taken away, then you probably have a 118 to 110 uh, score in favor of Brandon Figueroa. That means that particular judge gave Brandon Figueroa 10 rounds and two judges, that's Gary Ritter and Fernando Villarreal, gave Brandon Figueroa nine of the 12 rounds of there in this particular fight. And, you know, especially for me in the first half of the fight, I thought it was much closer than that. I thought that um, Mark Mansell may have won uh, at least three of those first six rounds uh, there with his counter punching um, and that, you know, he had uh, more powerful shots uh, there in, in that particular instance. So, you know, I mean, I, I kind of, um, you know, just felt like um, it would have been a lot closer about than that. Uh, the point deductions were a significant factor, but, you know, I didn't think it, like, it would be something to the point of uh, where it made the fight out of reach. You know, with, with this type of a scorecard, like he had those points taken away in the ninth round and the 11th round. So that kind of like meant that, you know, for me, I think they said in the judges' scorecards that Figueroa may have had like a huge majority of uh, those first six rounds. And I, I just thought that that was, uh, you know, kind of uh, strange there. Uh, now, Figueroa was the more active fighter over the course of his 12 rounds, according to punch uh, stats, comic box statistics. You had him uh, landing 176 total punches out of 653 thrown, and Maxile actually landed more shots in, in the course of his 12 rounds, but threw 593 total punches, landing 179. So it was just, you know, three more punches landing. He was more accurate with his shots. It's just that I guess the overall activity of Brandon Figueroa was the uh, uh, determining factor there for the uh, judges, I guess, to give him the advantage uh, over Mark McSyle. And, you know, Mark McSyle's, uh, you know, lead promoter there, Sean Gibbons of uh, Maine Pacquiao Promotions, of course, was uh, very uh, upset about, you know, this uh, particular result. You know, uh, he said that, you know, he, he pretty much like called the overall uh, scoring uh, pathetic, uh, you know. So uh, this is the uh, thing there. Um, now, uh, Sean Gibbons was like saying like, uh, you, you say, you want to say that the man fought in San Antonio, uh, you know, this is in reference to Mark McSyle, uh, fighting Ray Vargas. He fought, uh, Ray Vargas in San Antonio, fought his ass off, and it says, uh, lost a very close disputed, uh, decision, which he thought that he won. Uh, but he said here against, uh, Figueroa, he said that those, uh, scorecards were pathetic. He said, uh, I've never seen, uh, you can't, you cannot, no matter how you ended up, score rounds four through 12 for Brandon Figueroa. And he also puts up that. He says, hey, I also want to know why the state of California changed one of the judges. Uh, 
and they said that they, you know, they switched off one of the judges before uh, this fight took place. You know, uh, but he's but he said that you know uh, Mike Mansell pretty much like fought his butt off over the course of those twelve rounds. And everybody saw the fight, even with the point deductions. The scorecards could have been, you know, 115, 113, or 114 here, 114, but 117, 109, no. Um, so it was like, you know, like he felt like that that whole thing as far as like the judge, one of the judges being switched, and also having those scorecards be uh, that far, you know, that wide in favor of Brandon Figueroa, that that was just you know really a um, you know whole uh, different uh, thing there that like threw him off, but um, that is a definite setback there for Mark Maxwell. That is his second consecutive loss uh, there by decision, um, and you know like I said, I mean he you know, had held the WBC belt, but only had one defense of that world title. So I mean. You know, it's almost like a grand opening, grand closing type of a thing there for Mark Mansell, and um, you have to see like what is going to be next up for him. You know, here at at this particular uh, juncture, you know, um, you already have you know Brandon Figueroa talking about you know fighting Ray Vargas uh, next for that WBC featherweight championship, so. Uh, for Mark Mansell, I mean, he he's a guy, I guess, you know, that has that uh, ability to, you know, possibly uh, get uh, big wins uh, there at 126. But also, like I was saying, uh, initially here at this particular juncture, like he had to uh, do some things in order to get down to that 126-pound limit for this fight against Brandon Figueroa. So, hey, maybe he could – Try his luck at the 130-pound division. Who knows? Uh, that could be an option for him. Um, I'm not, you know, seeing what other potential things could be out there, uh, you know, that he could go after, especially at 126 because, like, uh, you know, I, I, I think he's kind of, like, utilized uh, his uh, options there at 126. Um, I'm looking at, you know, the rankings out there, 126, and I really don't see uh, that uh, that many potential opponents out there for uh, Mark Metzow at this particular point. So it might be a little bit of a better uh, option uh, for him to uh, go up to 130 pounds. But I don't know. Uh, maybe uh, Sean Gibbons there of Manny Pacquiao Promotions will – uh, see if they can line up something for Mark McSyle, uh later on this year. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But you know, like I said, Brandon Figueroa, uh, you know, getting that win, uh, potentially could face uh, Ray Vargas later this year uh, for that uh, WBC featherweight title. Uh, I think, and that that would be a good little fight between Figueroa and Ray Vargas. I think you know both of those guys are very active as far as like their uh, offensive output um you know vargas you know to me uh is there as a you know lanky guy uh five seven with a reach of uh 70 70 uh and a half but <laughs> they say he's listed at five seven but it looks like he's taller than five seven though 
uh, but him against you know Figueroa uh, for that uh, WBC featherweight title that that should be a good little scrap. Uh, but you know, depends on um, if that's going to be a main event or not. Who knows? Uh, we'll we'll see how that kind of uh, shapes up for him. Um, but also, you had in the card, right? Uh, you had in the co-feature bout former Unified Champion Jared Hurd, and well, he was Unified at 154, uh, going up there against Jose Mercedes or Armando Mercedes. Uh, and uh, this particular bout uh, was uh, at a catchweight. It was supposed to be, you know, around that middleweight division, uh, but you know. Uh, they gave, you know, the whole thing about a one or two pound, you know, uh, leeway in that sense. So, you know, we'll see, you know, how that uh, goes, you know, how they do that. As long as it's not like a world title fight, you kind of like get that um, thing there. But Jared Hurd, like I said, former unified champion at 154, uh, had come back, you know, um, sometime uh, back against um, Luis Arias at uh, the 160-pound division around, you know, uh, the middleweight division, uh, ended up losing by split decision uh, there and hadn't been in the ring since that fight, June 2021, against Jose Resendiz, uh, who, you know, like I said, he had only one loss, uh, but, you know, he had been you know, fairly active, uh, you know, in, in recent uh, times. He had two fights in 2021. Uh, he did lose to Marcos Hernandez at the, at the Armory in Minneapolis in uh, 2021, but had a fight in October of last year. So uh, he had been, you know, at least more active than Jared Hurd in this sense. And then also with Jared Hurd, this is uh, Jared heard that, you know, was uh, in the new camp with Andrew Council. Of course, you know, he had been under the tutelage of uh, Kate Coroma for, you know, the majority of his career uh, up until this point. So he had a brand new camp uh, there for Jared Heard. And uh, he was also like working, uh, uh, doing his camp outside of the uh, Washington, D.C. area, which, you know, uh, Jared Heard is from. Uh, but in this particular fight, you know, number of people highly, you know, credited or highly uh, favored Jared Hurd in this bout. Uh, and whew, I'd say, you know, the thing is, is that uh, Jared Hurd, they were trying to see if he was the same Jared Hurd as, you know, when he was doing there, when he was uh, in the 154-pound division. Um, you know, a number of people like felt like he was a big guy, 154, in that a majority of the fights that he had, he pretty much like overwhelmed his opponents and just walked through the offense uh in order to get off what he got off against the likes of Arislandi Lara against Tony Harrison and, and other fighters. Uh, but of course he did fall short against Julian J. Rock Williams. Uh, and that's where he lost those titles on 154. And, you know, we've seen what happened with uh, Luis Arias. So here in this bout against Jose Resendiz, um, you know, we wanted to see, like, what, what he was going to do if he had, like, a couple of elements that were different in his game or whatnot. But it just seemed like it was the same thing here with Jerry Hurd in that, 
he would just try to, you know, get down, get on the gritty, and try to walk walk through his opponent and wear down his opponent. But the thing here with Jose Resendiz, right, is that you got Resendiz that has fought the majority of his career at the 168-pound limit. And actually, you know, he had a number of fights that were north of 168 pounds early in his career. So uh, this is somebody that, you know, has come down from like 168 or 170 plus to uh, get to where it got to uh, for this weight. So who knows like where he is able to rehydrate to. But given that, I mean, you're going up against a guy that's not necessarily someone that could be smaller than you or that somebody that's used to taking punches from bigger guys, you know? So you trying to walk down an opponent like Jose Resendiz probably isn't going to have the same success as you had against the majority of the fighters that you're fighting 154. And that's what happened here. You had Resendiz that took a lot of good big shots from Jared Hurd. I think there was like one particular one that stood out to me was when Jared Hurd landed a right uppercut, and it came from a good little distance, but he landed a right uppercut, bam, that really, like, you know, it looked like it really rocked Vicendis, but Vicendis took that uppercut, and he was like, oh, yeah, that's what's up. Yeah, I'm coming. Yeah, I got it. And after that particular point, uh, you just see, like, Vicendis was able to just take everything that, uh, Jared Hurd was throwing and threw like a whole lot more shots that uh, Jared Hurd really couldn't necessarily handle, you know. So it's one thing to, you know, try to have a strategy of a counter-punching strategy, which it looked like Jared Hurd was doing. But when you do have something like that, you got to do it to the point where either you have something that you know that will hurt your opponent or you're going to do a counter shot and then move out of the way or move out of the pocket or move out of range of your opponent. And Jared Hurd doesn't have that type of mobility to do that. So, yeah, he was hitting Resendiz with those counter shots, but Resendiz was still right there. So by the time of, like, round eight and round nine, you just seen the overall activity of Resendiz pick up, and you didn't necessarily uh, get um, – Jared Hurd changing things up. I know that Andrew Council was talking to him in the eighth, particularly in the eighth and ninth rounds, is saying, "Hey, look, you gonna need you gonna need a probably knockdown or a knockout to win this fight. I'm gonna be straight up with you." You know, that's what he was saying there in the corner of Jared Hurd. But Jared Hurd was just still doing the same thing, pretty much like you know, keeping his you know um, right hand up towards his face and having the left hand down, which I thought was a bad strategy uh, there because you're just opening yourself up for right hands to keep coming at you without, you know, much movement. If you're going to try to do that, try to do a catch and shoot, you got to have something coming after that. And Jared Hurd didn't necessarily have that. You know what I'm saying? No catch and shoot type of a strategy, uh, not really using a jab, on a consistent basis. You've seen it a few terms over the course of the fight, but nothing to, like, say, you know, have a certain rhythm to, like, say, to, you know, throw off what Resendiz was doing. And so um, the overall punishment coming from Resendiz, 
you know, force the uh, force the doctor to step up to the ring at the beginning of that tenth round, and you know, we he just seemed like uh, the like he pretty much like had a damaged jaw. Um, her did, and the doctor just called off the fight, and so that was a a uh, TKO victory there for Jose Armando Resendiz. Uh, so he scores that victory. He is now 14 and one. Um, and that, you know, according to a number of folks uh, that had pretty much done the picks ahead of time, that was a big upset, you know. Uh, but I mean, for Jared Hurd, that that just uh, is a huge, huge setback for him. Um, you know, immediately after the fight, I was like saying that maybe he should. Uh, contemplate retirement at this particular point. I know that there was a lot of stuff that he had to, you know, deal with over the, you know, the past year and a half plus. The, you know, the like I said, the passing of his father due to COVID and a heart attack. Um, you know, going through a completely new camp. Uh, but you know, he says like, hey, I mean, he, uh, as far as like I've seen a couple of uh, hours ago, it just seems like he says that he wants to get back in the ring pretty soon. But we'll see about that. Uh, bringing in a guest here to talk about the fights uh, that happened yesterday. Uh, frequent guest on the show, huge contributor to the boxing source here, and that's the boxing academic in the building. What's going on? What's going on, man? How you doing tonight? All good, man. All good. Just uh, you know, chopping it up about you know uh, last night's uh, fights uh, there on Showtime Championship Boxing. Uh, you know, just kept coming off that thing there with uh, her versus Resendiz, man. And uh, you know, like I was saying, man, it just looked like you know, even though Herd was like in the middle of a new camp and everything like that, it just seemed like he was the same person as he was uh, when he was fighting 154 pounds and. Um, you know, you can't necessarily fight like that, you know, for so long, unless if you, you know, you're, you're fighting against someone that you know that you could really overwhelm. And it's not like, you know, Heard is someone that could, that has the ability to cut off the ring or, or like say, has a punch that could really, you know, hurt his opponents. He just wears his opponents down. That's like how he uh, won the majority of his fights, you know. Uh, but here this uh, fight against Resendiz, like I said, when you got somebody that has, you know, been fighting guys that are 170 pounds plus or around 168 or something, uh, taking punches from someone that, you know, is around like 158 pounds or so or whatnot and like or getting down to that, like that isn't really much of an issue for uh, Resendiz. So, you know, once he started taking a number of those big shots from Jared Hurd, it was like, oh, yeah, I, I got him. I got him. And so he's like, yo, I'm, I'm walking through these punches. I'm going to throw punches on my own, and I'm going to just say, hey, man, if you're not able to block it and you can't really counter or get out of the way, then I'm going to just wear you down. It was almost like he was out, <laughs> out doing what Hurd usually does. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I mean, um, it's, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's kind of like um, once he realized that he could take those shots, he definitely took more chances and started pressing the action a bit more. Um, <clears throat> one thing I can say about her, 
well, the fight in general, probably not the best style, the best type of fighter to bring him in with after being off a long layoff and, you know, changing things up. This, this wasn't uh, <clears throat> maybe later, but a, a fighter who, who, who needs to build their confidence you know, give it all that he can in the ring and, and came up on the uh, short side of, of the uh, end for the last two, three times. I get it. Al Heyman is, is putting his guys in and, in, in, you know, more competitive fights to justify the the price that, that we got to pay for it, you know. But as far as her goes, this, this wasn't the best style for him coming in. The thing, though, is that his win betrayed him. <clears throat> As you said, he's normally the guy who take a bunch of shots, press the action, and wears down his opponent. And so he kind of keeps the pressure going while his opponent withers. With this guy, Resendiz, you know, he definitely um, – I mean, he no any way you could it, he, he has good win. And he wasn't taking any killer shots to where that affected his win. But at the end of the day, the man got good win because he was definitely he wasn't fresh, but he was he was like, you know, ready to go for them championship rounds had it been a 12 round fight. Yeah. The thing, though, <clears throat> in Jared Hurd going back to the drawing board and coming out off of this layoff before his win betrayed him, <clears throat> I would argue that Jared Hurd looked good to me. Good in the sense that first three rounds, he came out and, and you could tell he, he worked on different things. Uh, first round, I think that um, he fought off the back foot on the first round, sort of being sort of timid, you know, just to, to fill it out. Second round, he came out totally different style, pressing the action, bring stepping forward, pressing the action, stand on the boy's shoulder. And throwing shots. And to me, you know, he, he won most of that round. And then Resendiz came on toward the end and then got off a lot of shots at the end. <clears throat> Once you can tell, um, Kurt kind of got tired. And then the third round, he was on his back foot on that one. But, but the difference between the first round and the third round is that he started to counter. And instead of him being on the back foot going backwards, he was just like stationary. Like he, he, he had his weight on his back foot, but <clears throat> he, he, he kind of kept the center of the ring. I can't say if he kept the center of the ring per se, but he kept his, uh, he was not retreating and he kept his ground and then he countered off of that. Fast forward, you know, Resendiz taking shots, her taking shots. And then you could see her, Throwing less and less shots, ain't throwing as many shots as he normally throw, taking about the same punishment. In the first few rounds, though, he did he he was uh dodging shots. He wasn't taking as many shots as he normally take. And it wasn't until he got tired to where he reverted back to what he knew and then he started taking a bunch of shots and hand was down. But you know, I hope the young man, well, I don't know how old he is, but I hope the the fella just understands that it's a process and, you know, the rounds that, that he was in and his win didn't betray him. He looked good to me. You could tell he working on different things. 
showing good looks. He wasn't getting hit as much early. And it wasn't until he sort of got tired and just reverted back to what he knows, which is what anybody would do. That's when he started getting hit and stuff. So, you know, silver lining in it, bad style, bad matchup. This guy's probably better than than they realized, or they probably knew how good he was. Uh, it'd be interesting to see him against a certain style that would give um, Resendiz, you know, trouble. But, you know, with his win and stuff, and if he can make it that, that weight class, I mean, he ain't, from what I can see, ain't a world beater per se. But, you know, he at least will give people competent action. But, you know, Jared Hurd hold his head up. Bad matchup, bad style. Uh, look like he bit his lip. And to be honest, he would have came out and fought, but I'm not sure he would have got the outcome that he wanted. Well, it said, um, he said like he, he, he knew that it was going to be a tough fight there against um, Mercedes. Um you know, and you know what you would say, like as far as like the ages, like Mercedes was coming in there like 24 years old, and you know Jared Hurst is at 32, but you know, like people say, like it's like you're 32 years old, like like that's in 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 some sense it's pretty young, but given the fights that Jared Hurd has been in over the course of his you know career, like taking punishment is still taking punishment, and. You know that kind of like is an issue. You know there when when you when you have to take all of those shots and you don't really do much to kind of nullify that in, in your uh, subsequent fights. And so, you know, for him it was like I just seen like him like taking way too much punishment, especially with the stance that he was going in at. Like I, I see like him like you know trying to throw the jab and try to incorporate the jab, but. Early he was doing that, and then it seemed like he abandoned it. And then two, the stance that he was at was like he had his left hand low. And I don't like having that left hand low. It, like it opens up for lead right hands. Um, you you could if you're lazy with the jab, especially coming from that low, it takes a little bit more time to come from that particular spot to bring it to bring your arm up and then to throw a jab. So you're giving your opponent a little bit more time to see it coming, and then they could avoid it and then come back with a right. So I was like, you you you, you leaving them opportunities to get back at you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the thing about that is that let's take that stance that he had and put it on another fighter, Andre Ward. Andre Ward does that too. But the thing that, that, I, that I thought was a silver lining before – he reverted back to what he know is that early when he did it, he was doing it at a distance that, that he would be okay with being able to do that. Like people mistake Floyd shoulder rolling and doing all that stuff as him just going in the fight and straight shoulder rolling. But you know, he does that stuff at a certain distance to where he knows like a, he'll be safe and or Andre Ward holding his hand down to the left. He does it to where he's at a, a distance to where he'll be safe and then he can lift the hand all the way out and get maximum extension and hit you at the end of like a power jab sort of. Um, so early he was ducking under shots like like he wasn't get his, getting hit as much early and it looked good early. But to continue it and and, you know, 
he reverted back to who he was, hand down, getting hit later. He's more tired. The guy is 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 a, a energizer, bunny rabbit, you know, that he's fighting. The right yeah. style and right distance, you can get away with that, but you can't use that all fight. You can use it at the right distance, but then when you get in, put your dang hand up. But with him being taller and fighting a shorter fighter on the inside, yeah, he was getting shots in, but he can always be at a disadvantage most times when he fighting a shorter fighter, especially a fighter who likes fighting like that on the inside. Yeah. It, and the thing with Brazilian too was like, I mean, he, you know, even though, like I was saying, he, he came in at, with a number of fights that were north of 160 pounds around 168, he was moving very well there at, at, you know, the weight that he was in. And I know that they were talking about like during the fight that hey uh, he had his trainer there, Manny Robles, uh, saying that maybe you could you could possibly see Resendiz even down to one fifty four. But I'm like, while he's been you know there having fights at like one seventy, but you know after like the second and, and third rounds, you've seen Resendiz kind of like move around or move off to the side a lot. So he was you know not necessarily right in front of uh, Jared Hurd and. I think that's the thing about Hurd is that he likes a lot of the, his opponents to be standing right in front of him. If you move all to the side or you move laterally, he has to like reset, you know, everything that he does in order to try to get back at you. And uh, with recently throwing a number of those combinations and moving out of that, you know, moving out of that line, uh, that kind of like, uh, you know, pushed or tilted the fight over to his advantage. Uh, right. Bringing in another Long-time contributor to the boxing source here, brother, uh, or the chef here with um, another dish is, is uh, his uh, avatar here on YouTube. But, you know, I mean, see, man, you're trying to get people hungry up in here, man. What's going on with all that, Terrell? I was about to say, he's talking like he's hungry, Terrell. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's going on, what's going on guys? <clears throat> what's going on? Yeah, I've been a bit disconnected from the sport, but uh, never is I'm still here, though. Uh, Things like that, but once again, I just want to jump on real quick for a while and see what's going on with, with everything. Yeah, just been all good, man. Up, uh, yo, chopping it up, uh, yo, talking about this thing here with Herd and Mercedes, man. Uh, yo, Herd, you know, just getting he just got beat up over the course of those uh rounds, especially in the <clears> last few rounds, uh, that forced the stoppage, uh, to happen, man. Um, he said that, and he said that he wants to get you know, be back in the ring, but I'm like. Yo, after this, I don't know, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very safe to say that Hurt is done at this point. And I'm not not I'm not I'm talking about done with the division or, or we're talking about done with boxing. <clears throat> and one thing, uh, just, just to put, put a point out there, there's something that, we, that we've always talked about over the years, and it's something I want to put pen and paper to, uh, James, for something to get done over this week for, for us and everything. I, does, does one loss kill a boxer, right? Just that thought right there. So when you look over over, over just uh... Oh, is it saying? I don't know, Brother Terrell might be on the move uh, there real quick. Uh, but you know, uh, real uh, real quick on the YouTube front, man, shout out to Modern King Boxing, uh, you know, contributing in uh, here to the Boxing Source. Uh, you know, we, we, we appreciate it here. Yeah, it was a decent night of boxing. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, the middleweight division, um, uh, 
Now we got it's still like a lot of activity that still has to take place in the you know middleweight division. You know what I'm saying? Um, so that, so that's uh, what's going down there, man. Um, but yeah, for those for those that you know want to also contribute, you can hit up the cash app also uh, uh, with the uh, dollar sign the boxing source. So you get uh, just hit hit us up there. Yeah, I think Terrell is uh, like on the move out there, so maybe he'll uh, be able to connect here a little bit later. Uh, but yeah, he said like, and, and I said it as well, man. Immediately after the fight, I felt like you know Jared Hurd should you know just you know just like uh, not really you know continue his career, man. I, I really don't see where where he could go at this particular point. You know, I I, I get that you know this uh, matchup wasn't a good matchup for him, but you know in the middleweight division, I'm trying to figure out like where he could go go at this point you know what i'm saying all right let's see if uh get back in here i wouldn't completely write the man off like yes i i agree with everyone in that he definitely has a shelf life in the punishment that he's taken and we're seeing the expiration like happening in front of us but he has some shining lights there he, he had some things that were positive he just had a guy that um you know, that that was gonna take no for answer and that was young too. I mean, I think he need to stop closer sooner than later, but I don't think he done just after this. Well look at look at this. So the Jerry Hurt that we saw last night is, is a, a basic shell of himself. And not just from last night, this last fight against uh Luis Arias. Yeah last year and everything. <clears throat> Where you said uh Jerry coming in and posting his physical size on people just walk people down and having that size just just beat people up, right? Yeah. Uh, he just looks uh, he's there. He's there. There's no dominance in him, and and obviously, and from my viewpoint, that just comes from a lack of will to fight, right? So when we look at this. He's had a long layoff, and and not that it's not his fault, but he's had some major things that come to play with loss of his father, things like that. And honestly, if you've ever lost uh, a father or something like that. It takes a lot out of you. It, it, it really does. It takes a lot of mental stuff out of you to lose your father because I, I lost mine, right? And on, on top of that, everyone deals with that differently. Some people can come back faster, some people cannot. And with mm-hmm. her, his father was a central part of his life within, in, within boxing. And now that, that voice is gone, <clears throat> uh, I think her got married, things like that. He's just done a lot of stuff away from boxing. Just to, you know, I'm not saying he just have a lack of passion for it, just life just kind of moves on uh, for him in that sense uh, with the things that's happened with his life and now we have a former shell of himself that we see right now and like I said people like Arias and this guy last night <clears throat> we're used to seeing uh, her uh, show his dominance over these guys like that with his size and stuff like that and we just yeah. don't have that no more we don't have that no more so like I said before does one loss kill a career uh, not, not in all ways not always uh, but sometimes it can Depending on how you lose, we get knocked out, did you get roughed up, things like that. Did you incur an injury, whatever that is? Because as we know, uh, if Jake, Jake uh, Paul, <laughs> don't, kill, don't kill me, <laughs> can, can take a loss and still have many uh, options out there. But I'm, and that's a whole different story. I know that. I'm just joking on that one. <clears throat> but uh, sometimes a loss can, can start a derailment of your career for, for different reasons, things like that. So, so I, I, for me, Hurt is definitely done, and he can walk way high. He's been, he's been a unified champ. He said he's based on my confidence. Walk away, 
walk away because I don't think he has that passion for it no more. And it, I mean, I've seen him like be a commentator for a number of uh, fights there for our premier boxing champions. So, I uh, mean, maybe they could have a few things out there for him for that, but he feels like he wants to, you know, continue his career. That uh, he says he'll get right back in it. Uh, Modern King uh, says uh, here on the live chat that Jared Hurd improved, but he's not as resilient as, you know, before, and his defense is, you know, uh, pretty uh, garbage. It's so let me hard. let me speak to that because I mean I agree. You see improvement with this guy. Um, he's a shell of himself in terms of the dog who gonna throw a bunch of punches and be in a war. He's a shell of himself for that form. If he can improve, get with the right coach, you know, pretty much do what Deontay Wilder is having to do, like transform himself from being i mean deontay wilder wasn't no like slug fist except for like tyson fury uh fights but he gotta transform himself and that that means he need to you know do better with his defense that means that he gotta if he gonna take that style he gotta learn how to fight going backwards you know if he gonna do the little you know hand down you know he got to know when to do it and just um I would probably who would I relate this to with like losing and like reforming. So I mean Deontay Wilder, but <clears throat> Wilder is a different like you know set of skills than him. Um, I'm trying to think of somebody who who did it. Even uh, Abner Mares, like you remember when he lost and stuff. Remember when Abner Mares was in this same sort of position. He sort of started commentating, then he fought yeah. like once a year or something. And you know, won some fights, won some good fights. Like I don't think he, 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 the hill is is there now, but he's not like in a coffin. Yeah, I mean, I feel I feel you on that, but you know, it, it, it's like uh, it's like in the live chat, and Martin King, I you was know, saying like, Rosendi's was you know taking the style that her was that her had and, and was turning them constantly. Yeah, he was. He was like moving off to the side. He was throwing, you know, two, three, four punch combinations and then turning off to the side. But also, with, like what you were bringing up, Boxing Academic, uh, with, with Deontay Wilder, like kind of changing the style. Um, that could be one thing. But also, one other thing that you talk about with Deontay Wilder is the opponents that Deontay Wilder has is that, you know, once they face Deontay Wilder and, and you know, take the shots from Deontay Wilder, they're not the same after that. And so maybe, you know, the fights that Jared Hurd has had over the years, you know, um, that they may have had an effect on Jared Hurd. So maybe his punch resistance is different on that. You know what I'm saying? Um, he's definitely not the same. I agree. He, he's, And we'll probably see that more and more as he fights, like him getting buzzed more and, and probably eventually start getting stopped. <clears throat> but the man tough as shit, like, he take a lot of shots and, and, you know, throwing another person being in that position, they had to be down a lot more than what Jared Hurd head was down. Yeah. Like Hurd, you could tell you saw doubt in him, but he still wanted to win. And to me, that's the, 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 the definition of a champion, you know, when, when the cards are down to not yeah, give up, man, you know, like, 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 it's one thing to, you know, just 
you know, see what's going on with you, but you still want to go out there and see if you can still try and still try to, you know, win and whatnot. You know what I'm saying? Um, but it was just that at that particular instance, late in the fight, I just felt like, you know, Brasendes was able to take a number of those shots that, that um, her was throwing at him. And her abandoning the jab and just trying to be solely a uh, counterpunch type of guy that just didn't necessarily work for him. So uh, maybe if he does get back into it, that they match him up fairly well. If he's going to, you know, adopt that type of a style, a catch and shoot counter style and, and, and try to, you know, get at his opponents that way, then they would need someone, like I said, that has to be right in front of them. I don't, I don't think a guy that can move really well would be a a uh, good good look for Jared Hurd if he's gonna you know get back into the ring and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, like I said, I, I I wait and see what what they're gonna do with Hurd. But you know, like I said, he it, it's one thing to you know kind of like get beat, um, but he like he really is it, different. Like like you say sometimes, or like people say sometimes. When it comes to like a knockout, instead of like being a TKO stoppage victory type of thing, like if you get knocked out, like you know how Deontay Wilder like knocked out a number of his fighters like within the first few rounds, and that's like a clean knockout. But if you get beat down like over the course of six, seven, eight, nine, ten rounds, then that has a lasting effect on you. And in this particular instance here, with uh, you know with um, Heard. Yo, that could have some lasting effects on there, man. Uh, oh, once again, shout out to Modern King, man. Uh, here, man. Hey, oh, fellow fellow Pisces, that's what's up. That's what's up. That, that, that's big, big up to your daughters on there, man. Uh, Pisces in the building because, yeah, you know, next Monday it, it's the Earth Strong. So, I, yeah, that, that's what's up there, man. Terrell back in the building, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, trying to chop it up with us here on the Boxing Source, you know. Um, uh, what what else was out there, man? Uh, well, before I get into that whole thing with the uh, um, that last bout, back into the thing with Figueroa and uh, Mark McSyle. Um, you know, I, like I said before, I thought it was a much closer bout than the scorecards uh, rolled out. Um, I thought that when the initial point was taken off from Mark McSyle, I thought that was huge um, as far as like the outcome of the bout would be, uh, but. <laughs> Apparently that and the other uh, point deduction that happened the eleventh round really didn't matter much, as uh, the judges, like all three judges, at least gave, uh, you know, Brandon Figueroa nine of the twelve rounds. That would yo, that was I, I did not expect that. Like nine out of twelve rounds at minimum, and one judge gave um, uh, Figueroa ten out of the twelve rounds. So. Uh, that one was kind of that was kind of a uh, shock to me that it was first I thought it was like a unanimous decision I thought it would have been like some like maybe a split or a majority decision uh, but the scores you know reading that far or that wide that was like really surprising to me you know on, on that sense uh, box academic that uh, figure out makes out fight what, what did you think about that one I, I watched it but I wasn't like intently watching it because I was doing like other stuff too. Um oh you you were waiting for that John Jones fight. Oh. I mean I watched the John Jones fight. <laughs> um I don't know Figueroa 
sometimes like those fights to me don't get me wrong they're exciting but it's something about it that makes it um uninteresting in a sense like like it make like my when i watch some of his fights my mind started to wonder and and i, I don't have the words for it right now but it's not even like how people describe Lara, Erislandi Lara, and then like, you know, he's sort of using the ring and using his IQ. It's not like that wondering, mind wondering, but it's more so. So they get into an exchange. He tried to throw a shot and then um, one person to swing, the other person to swing, and then they both like on the opposite side of the punch. And then they sort of locked up like that all the time and and it just the awkwardness of the fight to where almost every other exchange ends in holding or you know an awkward sort of um exchange oh. and, and it's like repetitive it's 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 something that that makes it just make me lose attention when i watch them sort of like fights great fighters you know both of them was trying to win i'm, I'm not you know, taking anything away from him. I'm just just telling the truth. I started my mind started wondering. I was like texting and stuff, and you know. Yeah, I feel it. I think like in the in the beginning or the first part of the fight, right? Like you have uh, both McTyre and Figueroa. Like initially, they're orthodox fighters, but Figueroa came into that fight or started off that fight as a southpaw, so he was. You know, coming in there, you know, having his uh, left hand back and having his, you know, right foot forward, and so yeah, you you had a number of those exchanges that happened, and they ended up having to either, you know, be in a clinch or you know maybe uh, the heads like you know landed together a couple times or whatever it was, but it just didn't seem like you know some of those uh, exchanges were you know all too good. Uh, but you did have instances where McSiles just threw a good number of, uh, you know, three or four punch combinations that looked like he landed pretty well, but Figueroa was able to take that and, and then still try to incorporate a strategy of trying to come forward, which I didn't think that he would really do that against someone that's a good, good amount shorter than, or, you know, don't necessarily have the reach that he has. So uh, Figueroa, you know, it's just still, you know, doing the thing where he would just come forward and just try to wear down his opponent in McSyle. And it looked like it was working there until the end of the fight. But, um, you know, if it wasn't for, you know, referee Thomas Taylor, you know, giving multiple warnings to McSyle before taking a point, uh, then you probably would have had a different type of a fight there in that particular sense. Now, I did say, like, earlier um, – like in the ninth round and tenth round, you had uh, Mark McTyler. You seen that his legs weren't necessarily there. Like he was leaning forward, he was having his uh, you know upper body like leaning down real far, and that um, you know the activity from Brandon Figueroa seemed like it was overwhelming McTyler. But for some, I don't know how he was able to do it, but it looked like either he had it to where he was able to tie up. Uh, Brandon Figueroa or have Figueroa in a position to where he, Figueroa couldn't shake him and then get off of him. So when he did, you know, necessarily fall down on the canvas, didn't necessarily count as knockdown, but I thought he would have had 
uh, those type of opportunities. But uh, before I continue on there, I want to formally introduce a uh, person uh, to be on the Boxing Source radio show. That is the world famous MBO in the building. Uh, with a little static or something. I don't know what's going on. Uh, listen, I'm going to warn you about a few things before I start. Uh-oh. One, I literally just woke up. I've been drinking all night until like 2 p.m. in the afternoon. I didn't go home yet. I slept at the bar, and I'm drinking again. But, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. Yo, what's going on? You know. Okay. Oh, man. Hey, hopefully, hopefully this video don't have any copyright issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yo, Mike Grady, what's good, Mike Grady? Not much, man. Uh, you you over there drinking rum and Red Bull and stuff. Uh, that <laughs> 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 sure. but how you been, man? I ain't spoke to you. In the, I think I feel like it's been a while. It has been a while, man. Uh, how'd you enjoy this past weekend's fight? I watched uh, most of them. The um, the last fight, the uh, Maxayo and um, Figueroa. Figueroa. I don't know, man. It was something that that kept making me lose my attention span. Like the way that when really? they would, the way when they would would exchange uh, shots, they would get locked up or or like grab, you know, sort of like it was repetitive in that way. Like every other exchange was sort of like that, and and it made me sort of my mind wander a bit. Yeah, Maxayo did hold a lot. Yeah, it's very weird that Maxayo went down on his own a lot too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I get that part. If somebody leaning on you, you could be um um uh, Charlo. You could be Charlo and and fight against it and have strong legs, or you could not fight against it and just fall to your knees. And save your uh save your strength in your legs. Shit, maybe that's the wildest thing in your theory. You gotta think about it. I mean, he did it a couple times, like toward the end before it was over. Well, I think that's just his legs is zapped at that point. Yeah, his legs were like done. And true, true, true. The funny, the funny thing about it was, like, I had um I watched the interview uh with uh Sean Gibbons um what was it like on Fight Hype or something like that. Where he was talking about this is like right after um, Mark McTyre had that second weigh in where he was able to make weight at 126. And he was saying, like, hey, man, you know, I'm liking McTyre, you know, those first, you know, first six rounds or so. But then after that, you know, it might be a little bit of a concern. So I'm like, well, hey, look at at what happened with him, you know, in that second half of the fight. He was holding nothing right. He was. You know, having those points taken away, he was leaning forward. He was off balance. His legs weren't necessarily there. And I'm like, well, guess he really didn't have, you know, enough energy to try to get Well, if they had that concern, he was fighting the absolute worst person he could fight. Because Brandon Figueroa is a fucking monster, okay? And yeah. I hope people realize that this kid is an elite fighter. He's an elite fighter with an elite chin and an elite motor. So I hope people realize that. Yeah, I mean, he, like I said, I mean, he's like former, uh, you know, world champion there. One at, you know, 122. And he'll probably do some damage here at 126. I mean, he has uh, that fight lined up that could be lined up against Ray Vargas, who was, 
you know, there in attendance at the uh, fight last night. Um, and I think that would be a pretty good fight there, too. So um, Ray Vargas is going to have to be ready, man. Uh, he's already come off uh, that, you know, tough fight against Oshaki Foster at 130. Now he's going back down to 126. To, there's nowhere to hide. You know, so. Yep. There's nowhere to hide, man. Now, yep. the problem for uh, Ray Vargas is that Figueroa is just as big and just as long as him. So yeah. He's not going to have those advantages. And we saw that he struggled uh, when he didn't have like a full size advantage against uh, Oshaki Foster. Yep. So maybe Vargas is just an ordinary fighter when he's fighting someone uh, that's bigger than him. Yep. Yep. Because, I mean, the, the, thing with, the thing with him is like his uh, size or his, you know, uh, length. Uh, it really wasn't effective there against Oshaki Foster. Foster was moving him, you know, he was moving him for a lot during the course of that fight. Um, and so now he's going up against uh Figueroa, who's like you said, is around that same size. Uh, so if he doesn't have that advantage, what, what else is he gonna do? Uh, there in this particular instance, man, it, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what Ray Vargas does at this point. But I mean, like I said, he's built up a you know, fairly big record up to that point, but you know, outside of that, uh, yeah, I'm not necessarily sure um, what Vargas can do with this particular point here against someone like a, a, a Brandon Figueroa. So now, what do you think is next for Max Sayo? Now, this is the guy <laughs> who basically became champion because Gary Russell had one one arm, you know, and he has not looked impressive since. Right. Like, honestly, he didn't look impressive against fight uh, against a man on one arm. Well, so here's like, the thing, nice right? Thing. He didn't look impressive against Gary Russell Jr. Uh, he didn't. He really didn't look that impressive against Julio Ceja, which was before the Gary Russell Jr. fight. He just ended up getting the uh, you know knockdowns uh, in that round one, and then the knockout in, in, in round ten. So now I'm like, well, I don't know where it could go at this particular point, especially in the featherweight division. I really, something tells me that I wouldn't be surprised if he goes up in 130. Not just because of the weight, yeah, with the weight thing, but I, like, I really can't find an option or other options out there for my 126. Yeah, but who's he beating that 130? Uh, I don't know if it's about who who gonna beat it with thirty. It's about who you gotta be able to fight it with thirty. I, I don't know, man. Uh, maybe they find someone like Arbeleta or somebody or Francisco Fonseca. You know, who's still a contender there in the one hundred thirty pound division. They might, you know, find a few uh, guys out there for him like that. I don't know. You know, maybe they'll put him as a as an opponent for Leo Santa Cruz. Who knows? I think Santa Cruz was there in attendance too. So who knows? Man? It is, that would actually be pretty interesting. Yeah, that'll be interesting to fight there, uh, Leo Santa Cruz and uh, and uh, the Mark McSile. So you know, maybe that could be uh, uh, in the cards there in, in reference to that. But uh, that that's yeah, mainly the card uh, there. I mean, I had already talked about the thing with Jared Hurd getting stopped by Armando Resendiz. Man, he don't be bad. UPS tired. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what uh, Brother Terrell was talking about before you got on, man. It's like, yo, maybe it should be a wrap for, you know, Jared Hurd, man. I mean, I know that he, you know, fought a guy that was, you know, kind of like fighting fights that were bigger than, you know, bigger than Hurd. But, 
I mean, I just don't see what, what's out there for him in the middleweight division. So uh, that that's, you know, pretty much the breaks out there for him in, in that sense, man. Um, you know, it looks like uh, Brother MVO is going to be back, is back on the prowl uh, there in, in the uh, bars and uh, other hangouts there in, in New York City. So uh, he travels to him while, while he gets mashed up out there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, but you know that that kind of like uh, covers like most of that that card. I mean, you know that that's the thing there. Um, I know that there's been a good amount of talk about what what uh, um, the comments from a uh, world title contender or a contender there in the super lightweight division in Gary Antoine Russell. But uh, first, I would have to go back to the extended interview or the full interview that I conducted with him last month to pretty much get the um, gist of what that comes from in reference to Gary Antoine Russell and Alberto Puello, but may uh, talk about that uh, a little bit later in the week. So so there's uh, that. Um, also, you know, there's uh, some rumblings going down as far as like uh, maybe there's a little bit of a chance or a shot that we could potentially see Errol Spence uh, fighting Terrence Crawford, but I mean, that remains to be seen. Um, I still have to check on the date as far as like when the uh, negotiations for the WBO mandatory uh, is up. Uh, it's supposed to be 20 days from, I think it's last week. Between uh, Terrence Crawford and Alexis Rocha, so we'll see how uh, that necessarily goes in reference to that. But I mean, hey, if Golden Boy was able to get his uh, fighter in Ryan Garcia to fight Gavante Tech Davis, or was it Ryan Garcia that pushed for that fight? Uh, then maybe, just maybe, we might have an outside shot of uh, Spence versus Crawford, but that remains to be seen. Um, yo, as far as I'm concerned, that's like mostly uh, what, what I got in reference to this. Um, other topics I, I can't necessarily, um, you know, talk about at this particular point. You just have to see what's going to happen uh, later this week. There's supposed to be a two-day press conference of sorts with Gavante uh, Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia. Uh, they're supposed to be scheduled for uh, Wednesday and Thursday of this week. So, you know, we'll, we'll pretty much see, like, what happens with all of that. Um, uh, as far as, like, like other news is concerned, uh, we'll see what happens uh, as far as, like, the uh, Caleb Plant versus uh, David Benavidez fight card. We'll probably see if we can line up some interviews with uh, fighters that are part of that card. So uh, be on the lookout for that. We'll see if we could work out on uh, that as well, too. So um, we'll try to get uh, most of you know these fighters that are involved in that March 25th card in Las Vegas uh, headlined by uh, David Benavides versus Caleb Plant uh, there at the uh, MGM Grand Garden Arena uh, on March 25th. So a uh, number of things that we'll try to do here at the Boxing Source. But, you know, uh, for the time being, uh, that kind of like uh, covers – Everything I really wanted to cover here this week, we'll get right back at, at it next week. Uh, you know, as there really isn't that much action coming up uh, for March 11th. I know that 
They were supposed to have uh, some fight with Callum Smith, but he got injured, so his fight is scrapped for uh, March 11th. But you know, outside of that, uh, big thanks for everyone that uh, had um, uh, contributed uh, to this particular uh, episode. Uh, like I said, once again, uh, if you want to contribute to the movement, the Boxing Source, you could hit us up on the Cash App with that dollar sign, the Boxing Source. We, we really appreciate it. Uh, you know, we're trying to get some things done uh, here with the Boxing Source and try to expand uh, the uh, staff, so to speak, at the Boxing Source. Uh, we do have the website, theboxingsource.net. We're looking for writers to contribute to the Boxing Source website. So uh, we're still working on that to uh, see if we can uh, get some columnists on that particular uh, segment of the website. So with that being said, I close with uh, my saying at the end of every show, the point of boxing is to hit and not to hit, not to stand and trade. On that note, folks, I'm out. Have a good evening, everybody.